Thanks for joining us on episode three of Points of Connection. I'm Christian Santaberia, Assistant Director for Retreats and Pilgrimages at the University of Notre Dame's Office of Campus Ministry. It was a morning where I woke up and the sun was shining outside and I made myself uh, two eggs and ate it on the porch. And in the midst of this coronavirus, I recognized I had a moment of joy. How is it possible to have a moment of joy in a time of great suffering in our world? Joy and suffering, two things that don't seem to go together, that have to be held in tension by the context of faith. That's our podcast today. Welcome to Points of Connection. What are your thoughts on hardship? Just the word in general? Joy and hardship, as in the two tensions. Adversity, difficulty, discomfort, distress. I don't know. I feel like there's been this insistence that, like, don't enjoy this time too much because it's not going to last. Mm-hmm. You know, and like all the questions about the economy and stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, we got to make sure we get back. But it's like, what, what can I, there's nothing I can do about that. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm just like, well, do I need to be taken up with these questions of we've got to get the economy going again and I need to make sure I do more than ever. And like, to me, that's not the question right now. And when I felt compelled to think of that question, I feel guilty because then I'm like, well, yo, I'm just enjoying this time right now. Like I'm, I'm actually able in a different way to be present to my family and to be present to the priorities that are most important to me in a way that I wasn't before. So I guess that's what I'm talking about when I say guilt. There are these external forces that I feel like are telling me to think a certain way. And I'm not that interested in thinking the way they're telling me to think. And guilt makes a lot of sense, right? There's a lot of suffering that's happening right now. There's people who are dying and are sick. And so, but you're saying in, in the midst of the suffering that's happening in the world, you're at home, you're well, and you're enjoying your family. And there seems to be a juxtaposition between how do I hold like a fledging economy, people are dying, people are sick. And the fact that this is a time in your life where you've been able to like enjoy your family and enjoy the time you've had together there seems to be a tension there. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. And it makes me think of like a lot of the people that are in my orbit. Like I'm grateful that I don't know that many people who have been sick or who have died from coronavirus. And at the same time, I'm like, you know, when I talk to the students in the choir, like they're at home too with their families, you know? And it's like, yeah, they're trying to figure out the, the ins and outs of how to, organize their time and, you know, share bandwidth with the rest of their family who all also needs to use the internet. But the tragedy of the virus and the people who are getting sick and will be like very, very um, closely affected from the illness itself um, has, it feels like it's made its way into all of the good things about life that are also present right now. Mm-hmm. I think I, the, the way this tension lives out in my life. So I really enjoy cooking and to be able to like spend time to like 
develop meals and like make things from scratch and kind of like create in that way has been so helpful for me. It's almost been almost prayerful for me at this time. And I really enjoy that. And I'm sending pictures to family and friends of things that I've been making and things like that. But here's the the reality. On the other hand is my uncle has COVID. My grandma, who's 88, has COVID. She's uh, was in a nursing home and now is in the hospital. Um, hopefully she'll, she'll make it through, uh, my uncle's family, hopefully they'll be, they'll be okay. And so for me, the tension is really real. Like these moments of life is slower and I'm able to pay attention and to be more receptive to what's around me. And it is somewhat joyful. It is actually somewhat joyful. And then right next to that joy is the reality of being so near to death, so near to like sickness in my own life, in my own family. Um, I don't know if there's a way to that these two things necessarily mix, but they do live next to each other. They're like right up against each other in my life. I feel like the one shouldn't get to steal from the other though. And I feel like that's that's been partly my experience lately is that it's the one is getting all the airtime. Like the dark side is getting all the airtime and it's like you know, it's like you can see it in the Zoom meetings too. Everyone kind of comes in and they've got their head down and, you know, no one's smiling. You know, no one's no one's glad to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be, but it, it's almost like they. I feel like I'm observing this sort of ritualized sense of carried grief or something. Mm-hmm. Like, or enacted, enacted grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, I don't know, is like, is that out of, is that an effort to be sensitive to what other people are feeling or what is it? I, that's a, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I don't know. Um, but there has been a question that has come up every single week that we've asked each other on this podcast. Why is this any different than it was before? It's just the. I think the only difference now to answer your your most recent question about like why are people carrying it in this way, it's that the suffering of the world that was once really far away, whether it be poverty or sickness or you know uh, climate change, that seems to be distant. But right now, this seems incredibly close, and we're not good with holding that very close. But we are holding. We are really good at holding the joy really close, but we're not really good at holding the suffering piece really close. Now we're being asked to hold both of them at the same time. The only difference then is what's the difference between now and, and what it used to be is that we've actually, we actually have to carry both of them at the same time. How do you carry suffering and joy? We short circuit. And I think that's what people like. I think there's an assumption then that I can't be joyful when things are hard because it's insensitive. For me, that brings up the question. All right, well, what are we talking about here? Are we really talking about joy? Or are we talking about, overt optimism or um, gleefulness in the time of, of, of real suffering. I, I don't think that's what joy is, but the perception of what joy is can make people like, I think there's a hypersensitivity to the suffering without actually, without giving due process to like the joy that actually is present. Right. And I, I don't know, I might challenge you a little to say that I, sure. I don't know if it's the case that it's much easier to hold the joy. I think it's much easier to hold the illusion of joy than uh, spot on. the illusion of suffering. Fair enough. But the joy itself is not easy to hold. And I think that's what I noticed the other night I was walking the dog and I, and it was dark and it was beautiful out. 
And I was walking really slow around the block and I was just like, man, this is incredible right now. Looking at the stars, a clear sky. I, I literally had nothing I needed to do except walk the dog. And it was such a pleasant moment to think like, I don't have some kind of pressing deadline I'm up against. I don't have, there, there are outstanding issues, but there's nothing that can be done about them right now. And it was a rare moment to like really kind of take in just the fact that I'm here now and, and this experience also is good enough. I think you asked last week, like, or, and you've alluded to it a couple times, this idea of, can I really accept God's love where I am? And how terrifying that question was, or that ter- how terrifying that question is. And in that sort of moment where I was kind of taken up by just like the, the low stakes or whatever that is, it was, it was so refreshing to just enjoy being a person who is walking their dog on a Saturday night. Mm. So we always assume that suffering is vulnerable, but you're, you're pointing to this fact that joy is vulnerable. When you're, when you're describing walking with your dog and then seeing the stars and things like that, uh, you start to appreciate it. And then immediately there's a, well, I shouldn't do this. Is that, is that what I'm sensing? Yeah, because I need to guard myself because if I'm just noticing things and enjoying them, there's probably something coming for me that I'm not thinking about. Yeah, I think I, I, I really resonate with this. So much of my life is trying to protect myself. So if something bad happens, I'm ready. Right. And so joy becomes really hard to embrace because it's incredibly disarming. Yeah. Yeah, when I disarm myself in that way, I'm, I expose myself to a bad actor, to a bad situation unfolding and me not being able to meet it. And so that's why I wonder about this question of, is it actually easier to hold joy than it is to hold suffering? Or is it the case that right now we're getting a heavy dose of both at the same time? You know, like we're drinking them both in from a fire hose and it's like, neither is like ultimately comforting. Mm-hmm in itself. They seems incredibly, these two things, joy and suffering, they, they seem like they're distant relatives, but I'm wondering if they're actually really close. Like the amount of suffering I'm able to hold has a direct correlation to the amount of joy I'm able to receive. If I'm really honest about suffering and the fact that it's a mystery and the fact that it may be really difficult, but I'm open to like being, I'm open to the reality of what it means to have hard times and what it means for my family, my friends. Does that make sense? The interesting thing about that, I think, is that it's really easy to look at joy as a grace. Like the moment where you're enraptured for just a second to think about how delightful something is. It's easy to see that as from God. But when, when I'm presented with suffering, I don't look at it that way. Suffering's an inconvenience. <laughs> it's something to be avoided. And, and maybe sort of in that embrace of suffering, there is that opportunity to to actually be open to the joy that is present. Because what I, what I was describing as my sort of joyful encounter, you know, it wasn't a once in a lifetime experience or something like that. I wasn't, you know, jumping out of a plane with a parachute on my back. Like this is walking my dog around the block on a Saturday night. And so the reason it struck me was because I don't know why it was so delightful. 
Would you have noticed if it was the same clear night and the same dog and the same sidewalk you were walking under, but under different circumstances? It wasn't coronavirus. You were just walking the dog. Would you be, do you think you would be as receptive or notice the joy? I don't know. I don't know because I kind of underneath what we're talking about, you know, is this question of like, I've, I've been allowed to like be expansive in a way that I, I haven't been before during the coronavirus time. I've allowed myself to think and, and I've been allowed to think because I just haven't been as committed to the same routine. And so within that sort of sphere of like uh, allowing myself to be freer in how I think, there are certain ways in which it's changed my perception of the way things can be. Like, how am I allowed to be? You know, because I'm always carrying how I am. And I'm always wondering, how am I allowed to be? And where do those two meet? And where does one sort of overtake the other? Because mm-hmm. I was wondering, I was driving the other day too. And I, I, I wondered this, like, who, who am I right now? And who do I want to become? And for the things that I want to become, is that actually possible? Or am I just delusional? I know how I want to become, but I also know who I am. And I guess I'm just left wondering, like, you know, I like, I, I, I walked away from that sort of contemplation thinking like, I wonder who I could ask, like, who could I become? I wonder who I could ask about that. Who could tell me, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. As if, as if someone else could tell you what that is. Yeah. That was what I was left with. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's an interesting paradigm to think through how hard it is to say who I am. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've never had to have to grapple with health or major significant uh, suffering in my life. And to try to say, oh, yeah, joy's possible. I was like, yeah, but you've never gone through it. It's like telling Jesus, like, hey, you got this, but he's on the cross. You know what I mean? Like, he's the one that's, like, crucified. Like, you got this, dude. It's like, all right, but are you willing to be here, too, and understand the joy that can come from this place? I think is something I have to be, at the very least, because I'm privileged enough to not have to experience that. Am I open to that? And when I'm not open to that, can I really understand how joy and suffering can live in the same place? I think that's where... I think this is where faith and where Jesus's example is somewhat uh, exemplary. It's like, it's possible. It's possible that pain and suffering can also be a place of joy without having to silver line it, without having to try to buffer the edges of suffering, but the two can actually live together. Right. Well, and I think to, to take it one step further too, I think what you were saying before was that it's possible that they're not just able to get along and be in the same room together. But like, is it the case that they're intrinsically connected? And if, and if so, I mean, that's much bolder. It's <laughs> a much bolder thing to say that it doesn't really fit into the caveat of this person's privileged or this person's privileged. If we're saying that these two things are intrinsically connected. And obviously we're saying, I would say that I can't speak to that for somebody else. 
but I have noticed that they have been for me. That they have been connected in an intrinsic way. That that was uh, non comprehensible to me before I saw their connection. of Connection. We're now joined by our esteemed guest, Father Pete McCormick, Director of Campus Ministry at the University of Notre Dame. Thanks again for being with us, Father Pete. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. It's so good to have you again, man. Not only is he esteemed, but he's free. <laughs> he's available and it costs us nothing. That's I'm, I'm both available and free. <laughs> it's a different yeah. So we're only a kind of Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, our conversation has led us to this question of like, can suffering and joy happen at the same time? So in your life, Father Pete, have you ever had to hold suffering and joy at the same time? Absolutely. I think um, I, I, I pull on the, the Holy Cross tradition here. You know, Constitution 8 for us is the cross, our only hope. And so the constitutions are our way of life. So it lays out our mission, our prayer, our common life, etc. But um, at the end of our constitutions is a final, which is Constitution 8, the cross, our only hope. One of the lines that is in that particular constitution says the following, if we shirk the cross, if we let go of the cross, if we pass by the cross, gone too will be our hope. So if we shirk the cross, gone too will be our hope. I love this particular nuance. It's a reminder to us that challenge will come just as it did in the life of Jesus. But yet in that precise moment as Mary Magdalene, Mary, the beloved disciples, stood at the foot of Jesus as he hung from the cross. If they had not stood in that moment, the, the, the joy of Easter Day would have been lost on them. If Jesus had, at the agony in the garden, had opted to pass and say, you know what, there's got to be another way, just send your angels to solve this, we would not have the same joy that has endured for the arc of 2,000 plus years. So that has always been resonant for me. Whenever I'm going through something difficult, I always have to think to myself, I've got two paths on this. I can go around it or I can go through it. The times I've gone around something, it has never been as instructive or as fruitful or as grace-filled. So I, I love this opportunity to have a conversation about what joy and suffering look like, because as people who are rooted in hope, who are, who are rooted in the story of Christ— we, we have to presume that just as Jesus did, we are called to act. And so that means we're going to pick up our cross and carry it. One of the things that Christian and I talked about in the first segment was this idea that, you know, where suffering is, joy is, where, where joy yeah. is, suffering is. And they, they kind of have this symbiotic relationship. And um, I think that one of the the interesting things that we brought up was this idea that um, we often have this perception that it's easier to be present to joy than it is to suffering. Yeah. And at first glance, that seems true. But in reality, there's something about joy and the vulnerability that it uh, requires of us to experience that is actually extremely disarming, disarming and therefore like kind of dangerous. So what do you think about that? So the question, JJ, in this case is, is, is it specifically about joy and how disarming it is or suffering? Yeah. 
yeah, to, about joy and, and is there, you know, how, how can we kind of avail ourselves to, to be able to be present to the moments of joy that are here right now? Yeah. I think about my own vocation in this regard, right? Like I chose to be a priest. That was a joy filled decision. That decision has caused incredible heartache. There have been times okay. in which I've had my heart broken because the priesthood has not been always what I had hoped it to be. There have been times in which I've encountered loneliness. There have been times in which I have encountered incredible heartbreak, either myself or others, and have walked alongside. I think about the moments as a priest when I am asked to sit with a family who is grieving the loss of a loved one. Those are really difficult times and moments of incredible hardship that came from a fundamentally joy-filled decision. So it's this interesting tension, you know, and this will give me a chance to riff on something that oftentimes drives me bonkers. But as a society, we, we always aspire towards and seemingly value the happy, the good. Uh, hey, how are you doing? People almost impulsively just say good. Well, there's a variety of ways that we could be, our day could be going that on that any particular moment. But yet, we're expected to say good all the time as if that's the only way it could be. And I just think that that places a false value on, on good and joy that they are of course important, but yet hardship and sorrow are also a part of the lived experience and not to get overly morbid or sad in this particular podcast. But when you look at the rates of suicide, anxiety, depression that are in our society, we would serve ourselves well to actually be a bit more forthcoming about our interior struggles. It doesn't mean that everyone needs to be Debbie Downer every single time, but at the same time, to have a bit more capacity to be vulnerable with the people that we love the most so that they can know and understand what we're going through, I think is just absolutely critical. So this, this joy and sorrow, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. They they're a part of our lived experience. They're not good nor bad, either of them. They both have a means of communicating to us something that's very important in our world. Yeah, that's, it, it just, it seems like it's so easy to choose like the watered down version of sorrow or of joy on the yeah. other side, yeah, you know, right. and it's, you know, <laughs> but going like going for the heart of joy or suffering, uh, <clears throat> You know, it, it's it almost seems like it's uh, in the time of coronavirus, like we're putting on this show where we're not able to acknowledge the reality of either joy or suffering to its fullest extent. It's like if we get too into the suffering part, it's like, well, we got to push forward. You know, we got to get the economy going. You know, if right. we get too far into the joy part, then it's like, oh, well, you know, all these people are having a terrible time right now. Take it easy, man. You know, like <laughs> exactly then what do we do with that, right? That there's a similar, I, I love to listen to the radio and I'm, I'm frankly a little tired of DJs giving me self-help advice. Um, you know, hey, listen, this has been a great chance for me to learn Russian or um, this might be an opportunity for you to be grateful. Like, hey, listen, I'm going to feel how I want to feel. So get off my back. I want to see a therapist. Just play the hits of today, yeah, please. I want to see a therapist. I'll go see a therapist. I don't need you, the DJ, to be the person who's doing it for me. Your question is, so what do we do about this now? And I, I really do feel like the, the, my acceptance of I'm capable of suffering. It's possible. 
allows me the reality of, hey, I'm also capable of joy, that these two things can exist at the same time. And the kind of avoidance of one kind of leads to the avoidance of the other. It doesn't allow for a freedom there uh, of, yeah, these things are hard. And yet at the same time, there's a lot to be grateful for. There's a lot of joy that's possible. It doesn't, joy doesn't erase suffering and suffering doesn't erase joy. Can I allow these two to live in tension? really is, I think, is a particular dynamic of the Christian life, of many faith traditions, but in the Christian faith particularly, we have to be mindful that the place where Jesus was laid to rest and to die was also the place where resurrection happened. What a, what a juxtaposition. Is it possible? For me, for me, my prayer life these days, look, I have family members who are sick right now. I have people in my life who are kind of going through the coronavirus. And at the same time, they are the ones telling me like, yeah, we're, we're okay. We're getting through this. There, there's actually some really great moments of family. And I go, how's that possible? How are you guys not worried? And I have to check myself. Why don't I, I allow both of these to exist at the same time? Why do I only want times of purely joy or only times of purely suffering? Where my, my faith actually invites me to hold both of these and how both of these can be useful uh, to me and to God in terms of how God might offer me grace. I, that's still, a, that's still a, a paradigm I'm not yet comfortable with, I, to, to let these two things live at the same time. Yeah, I love that, Christian. This gives me a chance to, to pull out my favorite quote, St. Irenaeus, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Mm-hmm. We we have this mm-hmm. immense capacity to have this range of emotion, but yet all too often we try to limit it one to the other and we place a value on one over the other. But yet the, the fullness of, of our experience is, is to be fully alive. And that the, the theological assertion here is, is that that's exactly where God yeah. is. When we are fully alive, when we are able to live and experience this range of emotions, um, it gives us perspective and insight and the ability to to really witness in our own lives the grace and the mercy and the love of God. That's, that's, that's actually, that's quite interesting because it's it's a theological assertion, but not to get super nerdy here, it's a theological assertion, but it's also an anthropolog- anthropological yeah. assertion that for me to be fully human is actually a means to move toward God. And to be fully human means to accept the reality that suffering might happen and joy might too and those both can happen at the same time, is actually an acceptance of our humanity that brings us closer to God. Uh, That, for me, is an interesting uh, uh, kind of insight because in a time of crisis, uh, I think the predominant question comes up of who am I and what is the finitude of the person that I am in this situation and how do I respond? We come constantly, I think, in this podcast, come in contact with this over and over and over again. How can I not run away from my humanity when it's my very humanity that's in question mm-hmm. in time of crisis. Yeah, to build off of that, which I think is really cool, all of us work with students. And so no doubt all of us have had conversations about the breakup, right? You know, I, I loved him so much. I loved her so much. Uh, and and usually at some point in the conversation is, why did I put myself through this? And the answer is, is because you're human. And then the, the next leap that they typically have to make, maybe not in that conversation, but not too far after is, am I willing to love again like that? Am I willing to open myself up again like that? And I think there's a lot of people out there right now who are asking themselves, do I want to open myself up to the fullness of this? Because I know that there's a potential that it could hurt, but at the same time, it could also be grace-filled in a way that we otherwise can't imagine. 
how humbling it is to know that we can't escape our own humanity. <laughs> right on. <laughs> it's a humbling experience. It's a humbling experience. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Points of Connection on Joy and Suffering. If you like this podcast, please feel free to rate us and share this podcast with those who you think would benefit from our conversation. Our final episode is next week. We'll be looking at the tension between good and by. Until then, on behalf of JJ Wright and our guest, Father Pete McCormick, we'll look forward to joining you next week. Take care. This is Points of Connection a production 